0: What's up, everybody? It's Joe Lapuma. You were listening. You were watching the Complex Sneakers podcast. As always, I am with my two guys. First off, to my right, Mr. Matt Welty. Thanksgiving week. Yes. Thanksgiving week. Just a little peek behind the curtain, but first, Mr. Brendan Dunn.
1: Yeah, Thanksgiving week, but pretend, because we're... We always like to give the PSA just in case we're a little off-sync on the news or what's really happening in sneakers. But we're shooting this right before we head to ComplexCon. Uh, we're in the midst of a marathon of like a shoot every other day. I think I counted like seven shoots or the appearances in, in 14 days. So it really never stops around
0: You here. guys were shooting yesterday. I was always, we're always shooting. Everybody you guys were shooting there. yesterday. I was coming home from a shoot. Yeah. Atlanta, very bumpy a flight. flight. Coffee went all over. Oh, oh wait, yeah. really? Yeah, wait. I have the picture. I have the picture. Coffee the, went all over. I mean,
1: I assume when you're in first class that they – they come with a new pair of trousers for you or something. Didn't, I, didn't right clo- I didn't get it on my
0: clothes. The coffee, though, I had to hold all didn't over. Didn't deny that
2: he was in first all class. He, he hurt. He, all over. He, Still, <laughs> he, s- no sits, in, he sits in the, the, the portion of the plane where they have like the private showers where he can just go. <laughs> That's <laughs> not true. That's
0: not true. The coffee was all over. And coffee spills, no matter where you are on the plane, the same.
2: Well, we're sorry. Did it, did it get on the shoes or no? No, not on the shoes. Okay, because I, I
1: was if holding it. Did, it you out. know, I would get on one knee and and buff them out.
0: Yeah, we. You said you wouldn't. So, what's your and,
1: what's your go
2: to travel shoe lately, Joe?
0: So I I've told him, I told him, I don't know if he remembers this convo, but like where I was wearing the beat up CDG Air Max 95s, mm-hmm. I kind of had a revelation. I want to even for like travel shoes, I want to wear like good ones the whole trip yeah whether i'm on the plane in the airport he told, what was
1: the exact no i do remember this because the exact quote like, told I'm, me i'm done wearing mid sneakers yeah no it just beat up
3: beat
0: up i was <laughs> like said, you I'm know i'm done wearing mid sneakers um, so what was i wearing what was i wearing yesterday let me think so i wore i've been wearing the seat the lorenz cdg tie dye i oh, don't know uh-huh. the lorenz cdg sunders the first color the like bluish pinkish purple ones uh-huh. but i like I said, I don't want to I don't want to be like in a yeah. lobby and it's Can't like be, or th- the you're, shoes if the you're laces are first class and your sneakers are mid. The shoes, I don't want to be in a, like a hotel lobby asking for like the key card to be like fixed or whatever in in some mid, in like some not mid shoes, beat up shoes. Yeah, so I've the been lobby trying to Aria
1: just doesn't feel, make sense. Trying but, to
0: step it up because I was at a party, I was at a 40th surprise birthday party, right? For can my you say friend, for who? Matt Vinci, you met him. You actually oh, met, yeah, him yeah, yeah, yeah. met him at
2: Complex Con. He's, he's he got the custom uh, Air Force Ones that
0: <laughs> never made it home. The, the, <laughs> you know, Virgil had the. Um,
3: yeah.
0: Let me tell you, one of Complex the worst Con. designs I've ever seen in my life. He did the custom the when <laughs> all like the one of the
1: best Nike boots at Complex Con ever, though.
0: Yeah. Also, he came up on the original off white
1: Complex Con and like Air Force One.
0: Listen, he wore them. To hell, but he did. <laughs> he did come up on him. But anyway, it was his 40th surprise birthday, and his uncle um, came in the white and green LV Air Force ones. No, just stunt like, like but not to stunt. Just like, yeah, I have them. I'm Very wearing casual? them, which is a, Super, which is an
1: even bigger stunt.
0: But it was just like, you know,
1: he inspired you.
0: Just yeah, to like wear, you know, wear a little little the CDGs I love, obviously. And if I'm going like to the gross sh- or like. The deli downstairs from the apartment, sure. But, like, not for a period of time. I'm going to try to, you know?
2: Okay. We support you, King. That's it. I, it's just funny because you mentioned, you know, you say, you know, in first class with mid-sneakers. But I feel like a lot of people. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> don't look you, don't want, you don't want to be like that. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like when you go to first class, you see a lot of people up there. You you, you may see a lot of mid-sneakers, you know? Come on. I don't
0: really look. I'm focused on plans. getting there. Focused on getting there.
2: Go to the shoot.
0: Go to the hotel. Go to Gus's in Atlanta. Shouts to Gus's. What's that? Fried chicken. Oh, man. Amazing. Don't worry. I have a picture. We'll put it in. Put the picture And in. I have the picture of the coffee spilt that we'll probably put in, too. Because <laughs> I document all this stuff just for this. Oh, uh, Is
1: there anything happening in the world of sneakers that's worth touching on? There's, there's a Odell few little Beckham bits. Odell Beckham Jr.? Odell. Wow. The Nike lawsuit. A
0: little late, but as you guys know that we're taping this early. A little
1: late, but hopefully you already read the full breakdown. This on guy complex. was digging com. in.
0: Digging in anytime, the documents just like he does. there's a new a new lawsuit, He gets a little, a what's it called? The monocle? <laughs> what, what's the, what is it? He yeah, has the
2: monocle, <laughs> monopoly, man. Yeah, yeah, I just, got the mustache for just, it. The mustache starts twitching. It's yeah. so
0: going through. I was in Gus's when that, when you were discussing that, I was actually in Gus's, so. Always in Gus's. Yeah, I was in Gus's. It's a a
1: weird lawsuit, I got to say. I'm looking forward to what Nike says back because it seems like the thing that it kind of hinges on, and again, please go to Complex and read the full breakdown. Odell Beckham Jr. is suing his former footwear sponsor, Nike, for $20 million. He says he suffered damages, they withheld some payments, and that basically they intentionally depressed the sales of his shoes so he couldn't meet the thresholds to get extensions. And basically... They say that Nike made an error in the contract and the contract was wrong. But it's like, if you still signed the contract, isn't that the contract? Because um, Adidas had offered Odell Beckham Jr. in 2017 this 47, 47, deal that they say yeah, $47 million. Day. And basically Nike had the first right of refusal, so they give Nike 10 days to match. And Nike was supposed to explicitly match the terms of the deal. And there's a dispute from Odell's team that Nike is not matching this one part of the deal about the royalties, where this is a very sorry, convoluted explanation mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a complicated thing. Um, they're saying that Nike is treating the thresholds that he needs to meet in order to get the guaranteed extensions differently than they had originally agreed to, so that Nike is not
2: extending the options on the, the extra in, three years in the deal. And yeah. In, in a lot of everything that happened kind of centers around. The incident when he goes to the rams he was wearing custom gloves because mm-hmm. yeah and he, he, he was a,
0: wearing chrome heart gloves yeah
2: he had yeah. a pair of uh cleats that were made to look like a pair of black air force ones right. nike said that he violated his contract by not wearing the right product on the field yeah but the he interesting all- thing though is that is actually not like the center of
1: it oh. that that stuff happened after they were in disputes about the the contract and after it was starting to break down already. And then his team is saying, like, after that, Nike started inventing these violations and withholding an extra $2 million in payment for saying, yeah, you broke the rules
2: around what you can wear. But it's just crazy because he's kind of said that he had claimed that when he went from Browns, from the Browns to the Rams, mm-hmm. that Nike hadn't given him product that he could actually wear for the new team, yeah. which yeah. doesn't, like... I'm, How do you not have that ready? yeah. It doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense, does it? It doesn't make sense to me. How would you not
1: have a Rams-colored pair of cleats ready to go for Odell Beckham Jr., given that you signed this guy to a gigantic deal? Mm. That's one of the cool things, too, is that he includes in the lawsuit this this thing the marked actual... at the top. Confidential, uh, yeah, summary of, of the terms of the deal.
0: I remember that day when there was rumors in the morning that, like, he was leaving Nike. You were in Huh? Were you in Gus's? wasn't at Gus's. I was actually at Shake Shack. I, I was. I know it's like... Not every time breaking news I'm at these food places, but I remember that day. <laughs> for some reason, I was on Sh- at Shake Shack, 23rd Street. And I remember just like there was rumors like he's leaving Nike mm-hmm. or, he, or Nike. And, and he was flirting Adi- with Adidas at the time. Remember, did Victor he had the, Cruz he, he, tell
1: he, us that he was wearing Yeezys yeah. around the well, Giants he, facility? But
0: there's, there, there was pictures of him wearing Yeezys, like mm-hmm. I think on a Monday night football spot or something mm-hmm. like that. And I just then remember being like, I getting a call and being like, Nike matched. And it was like at the, it, in the morning there was rumors and then it was like, what's happening? And then at night it was like Nike matched and then sure enough, um, yeah. So that's interesting. Here's the thing, just like- his free agency now, where there's a bunch of teams interested in him, mm-hmm. take this lawsuit aside. I think he could go anywhere.
2: In terms of sneaker brands? Still. I, I'm just like surprised that, just like, I just, just let's be blunt, right? Mm-hmm. How bad of product Nike gave him over the years. I don't oh, the think he f- had shoes? many memorable yeah. shoes, yeah. He did, that, he those, did those, like those, 720s. those like, twenties. he did those like, for, the first one was like that taxi cab, New York City. Mm hmm. Air Force One. When he was was still with the Giants, mm-hmm. he had the Air Max Seven Twenty, which was called the Young King of the Drip. <laughs> okay, that was the, that was the official name of the shoe. The Air
0: Force One sold out on network though, uh,
2: with the buckle on
0: it. <laughs> I did my only appearance um, on network. There was one
2: colorway of that shoe. I, I don't He's like five percent royalties on all those. <laughs> I, anyway. I don't like the Air Max Seven Twenty, anyways. But even there though was, I appeared in a promo for it, yeah. Uh, there was one colorway of that shoe that I randomly actually really liked there it was like a tan gray like uh no it was tan gray and like a red hit on it it almost looked like a mars yard okay s colorway mm-hmm. it wasn't meant to be but it I just I vaguely remember that but there was the one that was almost like the um like the almost like a Kuji sweater. There was like that pink pair with like yeah. the crazy pattern on it. Um, he did an LSU pair that I think Derek Curry had told us they sold like exclusively at Sneaker Politics at mm-hmm. the at the time. But there really wasn't like, if Odell Beckham's the most stylish person in the NFL, mm-hmm. and he's a sneakerhead. How do you not? have And a he head has these form? like cleats that. Nike created or a the customer. The cleats were fire though. The, the up-tempo inspired cleats. Those things were okay. How, uh, how, do, fire, you, how, how do you not have like some sort of like product that's like a line yeah. or a connector through all of that and you just make this product that it's, it didn't even feel like it was marketed towards the quote unquote sneakerhead demographic. Mm-hmm. And that's the interesting thing too. One of
1: his um, issues that is in the lawsuit and the complaint is that he says Nike didn't follow through on creating all the product for him that it was supposed to. There's supposed to be a kid's line. I saw running running fitness. And also his legal team is saying that toward the end of the deal that Nike intentionally was making way less product in order for him to not hit these thresholds that he had to hit in terms of sales in order to get extra years,
2: extra millions of dollars on the deal. Hypothetically, is there a chance too that maybe the product wasn't selling well and then maybe nike just made less of it interesting I don't know. yeah
1: for sure and i mean he had those injuries right the acl injury you know that you got to factor that into how much you're going to market and spend on an mm. endorser
2: interesting tidbit too that i had uh i think we talked about it on full size run but um had looked up is that i didn't realize that he had actually in his last year with the rams had opted to get paid in bitcoin yes right and then when the bitcoin saw so that uh crashed crashed his somehow his contract went to like he only made thirty thousand dollars that year. <sighs> he's tough. He's,
0: he's still gonna, like he's going to sign well, somewhere. He's going to w- sign it. somewhere.
2: Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh crypto assets
1: and things like that, Nike's dot swoosh metaverse. Yes, I can't imagine us as a group are super. I I know Wealthy's not going to. Well, try you got and, the
2: exclusive story
1: on it. Uh, I would say exclusive. But you got a early. Some of these people. Let me just. Can I just go on a quick mm, rant for yeah, seventeen go. seconds? Let's go you go like all caps exclusive in a headline or like all caps breaking in a tweet. Like
0: that's just not necessary. You, you know, just publish
1: the story as just write the headline without the,
0: like while we're on the I Odell definitely, tip, definitely he, scores the he scores the touchdown. He scores the touchdown. He has the ball. He gives it right to the ref. No dancing. You know right? what I mean? is that, is that, you know, That's, that's yeah. your
2: style. I definitely, I have to admit, I definitely did used to do that back, back in the day, like yeah, 2017 or something like that. If like Nike gave you like a first something it.
1: We're, we're, we've matured beyond that. Cause Ooh.
2: you know what? If we wanted to, we could put the exclusive on every store. I think, I think we did ex- exclusive. <laughs> no, it was like exclusive. It was when we had the, we actually did have the exclusive on it. It was the first look at uh, Victor Cruz's trainer Cruz. I think I put exclusive in the
0: Adam Caporel, right? There we go. Yeah. Me and Adam Caporel yeah. went to giant stadium shot with Vic.
2: There we go. Okay.
0: So
1: sorry. That was all segging into <laughs> Nike's dot swoosh new metaverse community, quote unquote, I think you got to be skeptical anytime a brand is talking about a community. Um, Their new home for virtual product, I'm interested in it. I have never invested in, I don't own any virtual items of any sort. But, you know, they're talking about the utility that there could be around these items in the future, whether it's gaining access to an event or getting a pre-order for a shoe or helping Nike determine what a virtual item looks like. And maybe they'll sell that virtual item and you could get royalty. So I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. They're being kind of like secretive right now about what it's all going to look like. But
2: I know you're not into it, but when you first even saw the product, what was your thoughts on all of the Artifact Nike stuff?
1: I mean, the actual Artifact Nike shoes, I don't like at all. And I'm hopeful that the stuff that comes from Nike's dot swoosh program, and this is all part of Nike Virtual Studios, this new division Mm -hmm. they created. I'm hoping that this is a little bit more traditional in terms of like what I like from Nike sportswear. Um, Artifact they are kind of advising on these projects or helping out because nike acquired this nft brand artifact and they're they're giving them input on how to do this stuff but it's a separate thing within nike of uh, their virtual items so
2: because i know there was one just like i don't want to give him too much credit on this but fran had mm-hmm. posted a, a shoe i know everyone's like he's an nft sage Da-da-da-da-da. and i don't i don't know I don't you wanna, don't care. I don't care. Um, with all due respect, friend. Yes.
0: Uh, I'm still waiting for my consultation though, at, the, at the Mercer. I, I think,
2: I, I think <laughs> you uh, I think you. Uh, time passed on that, and that was maybe a good thing. Um, okay. But he had posted a shoe where it was like it, it, being part of that whole artifact community. I don't, I don't want to get this wrong. But he had gotten a shoe that was essentially an actual Nike artifact. Physical sneaker. F- physical shoe. Yeah. It looked like a really bad custom yeah it looked like a painted on custom yeah i think there's like kirby there's one the with like guy on the shoe pepperoni pizza did you say pink eye or pink guy pink guy kirby yeah i the know pink who kirby, kirby is. Yeah, i know i'm saying to the audience the pink guy kirby
1: <laughs> the famous pink guy <laughs> i don't know i feel like maybe some people now like younger people don't know who kirby is I hey know. turn this off if you don't know who kirby is if you've never played kirby kirby superstar was it? kirby is that superstar pink uh, guy? are you kidding me is it pink are you kidding me? I don't. I don't Pru- really Proving my, the- <laughs> proving really my theory right in really real time. Remember. Hold on,
0: let me see. Is it yellow? <laughs> who do you mean in Smash? What? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You- Hold on. Let me look this up. We're real keeping quick. all this in. Let me look this up. It's like the vacuum. Yo, I played sucks so, so much
1: Kirby Superstar. Did I not say the little pink? Guy? No, you did, Joe.
2: He what? did.
0: What? So why are you, what are you trying to make a big deal out of? I no. literally said the pink guy. I, I,
2: I just said it was the pink guy. And Brendan's like, why do you have to tell me when it's the pink guy? And then you literally just say, yeah, are you talking about the pink guy, oh, right? Well, and that's I why I said, sorry. I'm explaining sorry, it for people, no, no, but I'm saying I'm, exp- I'm just explaining Kirby for people. Kirby Superstar don't, was SNS Okay, game. I wasn't paying
0: attention because Megatime someone punch? was hitting me for Complex compasses. Sorry. <laughs> Can sorry. we talk
1: about Kirby Superstar for 20 minutes? Yes, no. I don't
0: know it, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> He's the guy's pink. But
0: either way. I was right. Damn, I didn't know he just said it. Sorry, okay. hand up, hand up. <laughs> okay, Whatever. okay, okay, okay. He had posted. He had
2: posted the shoe that was a custom. Looks like a custom in. there's a feature that Nike had created where you kind of like scan the shoe and it mm-hmm. shows proof that it's of, authentic proof of ownership. Yeah, on it. I guess that's, that's kind of. Cool I guess that's kind of cool. And I, people talk about like you said, utility of these NFT products. Mm. I think that there is a future in the idea of showing proof of ownership in things. Mm-hmm. I don't think a walrus smoking a cigar was the intended purpose for any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, So all those things, you might as well just throw them all away because they're useless. But I do think that there is ways that obviously Nike can game or use the idea of having virtual products.
1: Yeah. I mean, if they could just rebuild the whole sneakers ecosystem inside this dot swoosh thing and make it more fair and equitable and transparent to me that's a cool that's a cool possibility for it but let, let's see
0: okay uh, should we give away a pair of sneakers yeah, yeah real life sneakers
1: okay every week here in the complex sneakers podcast we give away a pair of sneakers usually some pretty some pretty slick shoes huh mm, some good ones <laughs> <laughs> what is all these some some good some ones. sick kicks <laughs> yeah sick kicks some good uh, ones with our good friends at ebay you can go to ebay.complex.com to enter to win a pair You can go there and submit for us a question to respond to here on the air. If we pick your question, if we respond to it on the episode, we're going to send you a free pair of sneakers, courtesy of eBay and their authenticity guarantee program. It's only open to U.S. residents, okay?
0: Yes. Today's question comes from Jalen Flores, Philadelphia.
1: That's in the U.S.?
0: Yeah, a little trip. What's the best Christmas or holiday-themed shoe of all time? Oof.
1: I don't have a lot of picks for this.
0: Me either. You know, I like the Christmas LeBrons that he wears. Mm-hmm. I think the think 8 was pretty good. Yeah, I talked the 7 as well. You brought up one. I don't Grinch want to steal your thunder. Grinch Kobe's. Not my though.
2: favorite, but I think that's one of the best that's ones. That's definitely up there. Welty? Oh, I think you guys are uh, maybe not... Thinking maybe too much in Thanksgiving and Christmas. Okay. What, the dunk? Dia oh. de los Muertos dunk? Hold on. Oh, I mean, that, 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 one, could... that, oh, that oh. one could be a favorite holiday overall. I wanted those a lot well, as I a still 17-year-old. Want those. There's a huge ho- still want those. There's a huge holiday that we're forgetting. Personal favorite holiday. Oh, Easter. Easter. Yes, Easter Air Force Ones. But I'm not talking about Easter Air Force Ones. Easter 180s. Easter Air Max 180s there are my personal favorite holiday shoe. Okay. He has risen. Yes. All right. That's a good one. You going to break them out? I don't have a Air pair. Air bubble going to crumble? I don't have a pair. My right friend, friend Dave the had Alton a pair. Listen, apologies to
1: my mom, but I was totally forgetting about Easter, but I'm glad you brought it up. Those are probably the best. Uh, Easter Air Force ones, oh, that, five oh, all oh, that six.
2: pastel stuff, um, There's the, the pairs were slightly different. Oh, 05, it's like a little more, uh, the colors aren't as bright. Oh, 06, they're just a little darker. I'll take oh, 06. I'll go 05, but... You made the
1: right call. Easter it is. Good one. And the sneakers we are giving away? I don't know. Let's uh, see. What's the person's name? Jaylen?
0: Oh, 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 oh Jaylen. Special shoe. <laughs> Jaylen. This is
1: the... I actually hit on sneakers on these. This wow. is This is a good moment. A lot of people hit on these on sneakers. This is the blue, off-white, Air Jordan 1. with the zip tie on there?
0: Leave it on if you want. Take it off if you want. Uh-huh. It's up to S- you.
1: Same goes for the eBay tag. Can you see that?
0: So, man, Babs got it. That's important. Great shoe. All right. Great colorway.
2: Did, did we ever come around on this? Our good friend Trinidad James, speaking of holiday shoes, Mummy, remember N- Mummy Nike SBs? He That's needed, not a good holiday shoe. He needed like a million pairs yeah. of them, and he tried convince us. A lot us of it was like, people like, like that, that. It was like the best dunk? shoe ever. Oh, remember that?
1: <laughs> remember the? You know what I did like in that same vein was a few years back, the, that no. Mummy Air Max 95. Air Max 95. Those, Those were, were nice. kind of good, right? Yep. Yeah. This that, was it a Mummy pair?
2: Or was it just like a... It, it was kind of had like the wrap on it and yeah. it had the eyeball goblin on the tongue. ghoul zombie yep.
1: with no conscious.
0: Yeah, the mummy dunk from 2021 still mm. not, still, a nut. forgettable. Yeah, mm. not for me.
2: Yeah. Glad we got that solved.
1: Glad Jaylen. we're sending these off to Jalen. Enjoy those, Philly. So,
0: It'll get there quick.
1: By the way, we have a very special guest today.
0: Oh, we're elevating a little bit, uh-huh. you know? sometimes
1: to the C suite.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Let's bring on our guest.
0: Our guest on today's podcast has worked at Reebok for over 30 years, where he started as an intern. Over his three decades at Reebok, he's been a centerpiece in every facet of the brand's marketing, innovation, and overall business initiatives. The G-Unit S.Dot Carter era, he was there. The Allen Iverson era, he was there. The Pharrell Ice Cream era, he was there. In September of this year, he was announced as the new CEO of Reebok, capping off an impressive run that somehow is still just getting started. We want to welcome to the Complex Sneakers podcast, the CEO of Reebok, Todd Krinsky. Welcome, Todd.
3: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Glad to be here.
0: Thanks so much for joining. Big guest. <laughs> we have a lot of guests, but I don't know. CEO, have have we had CEOs?
1: No, no, maybe maybe people who are like CEO. You know, when you have like a reseller business, and you're like, I'm the CEO. of Everyone like... That, yeah. <laughs> their LinkedIn profile says CEO. Yeah, or their IG, their IG handle is like CEO of a. Uh, I was gonna make up some sneaker resale business, but yeah. I can't think of is one it, without yeah, offending yeah, yeah. somebody. Is it cool? Is it cool, these
2: days, is it cool
3: these days to be CEO or creative director?
0: What do you think? <laughs> uh, CEO, I think. Must yeah. be nice. Creative,
3: creative director is a little more trendy, I think. Yeah. CEO, you got to deal with more stuff. I think that's the difference. Yeah. yeah. It's gotta feel good, though. Yeah. Yeah. Man. No, it feels good. It's been a, a crazy journey. Um, you know, actually, the first job was I started in the mailroom. He was saying that. Yeah. He was saying that. So, I mean, my, my journey, with, I mean, I literally started selling sneakers at 16 working at Foot Locker. That's mm-hmm. why I fell in love with it. I just fell in love like the action of being on the floor, you know, and selling shoes. Yeah. And so this is where I first fell in love with it. And then I went to school. And when I was at school, I continued to work at Foot Locker. And then when I got out of school and graduated, I got this opportunity to go work at Reebok in the mailroom, which my parents were really happy about. My, <laughs> first, my first gig, I got a job mm-hmm. in a big company. Did it, did it feel like a big deal to you? Well, it didn't the fir- It didn't until I was there the first day. So the first day, they were like, I show up in a three-piece suit. And they're like... <laughs> to they're working in the mailroom. Did wasn't you have sneakers wear- on? Well wait. Yeah, okay. No, no, I didn't have sneakers on. Yeah. Okay. I had straight shoes. And I go to the mailroom, and they're like, actually, we're sending you the warehouse today. So I'm getting lower as we go. It wasn't intern. <laughs> it wasn't the mailroom. Was in the suit, <laughs> fitted. So I go there, three-piece suit. And I say, I mean, the, the vest, the, whole, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the vest. whole thing, man. And... Um, they're like, yo, yeah, we're, we're going to pack T-shirts for like the NFC championship game or something. And so I was like, all right. And there's like, I don't know, 10,000 T-shirts, these boxes. So I start packing them. And then I think like every single warehouse employee started walking by just to see who is this square. Mm. They rolled in here in a three-piece suit to work with us. Today. They're all walking by, walking by. So it wasn't my finest moment. Um, but then, yeah, man, I worked in the mailroom um, for like, you know, over a year. But it was really cool because back then... Um, I also had to send a lot of the uh, tech packs overseas uh-huh, okay. because there was no, back in the day you couldn't attach these big files. So literally what I was doing every day, uh, I was working a locker at night and then during the day after delivering mail, I was taking all the designers designs and tech packs yeah. and I was faxing them page by page to by page of the factories. That's and crazy. I'm sitting there like learning all this shit. I'm like, what you know, year is this? this is like 93. Okay. So this is like, the golden era of like Reebok innovation. So yeah. I'm sending over pump tech packs and, you know, all this uh, training back in the day, early training stuff and shack product. And uh, a lot of the, the OG designers, you know, like E. Scott and these guys would let me just sit at their desk. You know, this young kid, ask questions. So I'm like, why did you do this here? And what's the blueprint here? And I'm just, I'm just like, you know, loving it. Sponge, just Sponge, absorbing man. everything.
2: Yeah. What, what was it like? Uh, you said sitting with the designers, with being with Steven Smith. Back yeah, then yeah. In, the,
3: in his OG era. I mean, he was he was uh, super crazy back then. You what know do you what mean, I mean? Back then? Yeah, <laughs> I mean? Well, I mean, it's consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's consistent. Yeah. Um, but he was part of that that generation that like those guys loved what they did. Man, mm. like I'm not saying designers don't today, but they really loved it. And so, if a young kid who was selling shoes at night came over to him, and was like, "Yo, let's talk about this. How does this work? You know, what's the why did you uh, put the blueprint like this, or why did you change this design, or why are you using this material?" they they love to to take you through the whole process. So it was it was pretty cool just to kind of learn um from there. And then what I did is um I figured out like how long I could actually work without getting paid. Mm. With just my Foot Locker money. Yeah. Yep. And then I put a coupon in every mailbox of every employee in the company. Mm-hmm. And the coupon was like Todd Krinsky will work 30 days for free. Try wow, try me. That's ill. Try me. I still have the coupon. That's ill. And um, nobody actually took me up on that, because I'm sure legally it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, cool, but I got a, you know, a lot of awareness, and then it did move into someone hiring me for an associate product development manager job, where I was working on tennis in uh, '94.: I it- love stories like that
0: because I was working at finish line nights. And two days a week here, complex. Hmm. So, oh wow, yeah. And it was like the the whole thing was you're filling in the passion that, like, obviously I wanted to work here full time. You're you're doing that in the off hours as much as you can, mixed with like retail. But retail was just like, you know, the the stop between to pay the bills. Yeah, Yeah. how long? You know, I interned for like two years. But yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah, totally get it. Yeah,
2: speaking of 1994, you have on Insta Pump, yeah, Furies, but. Is that the actual chanel That's yeah, the, oh. yeah. <laughs> oh wow
3: i felt obligated <laughs> to, wow. to come with something that he I knew never, there was a close-up wow wearing, i never is... i never pull them out um but these are the originals uh from 2000 um Chanel Reebok, I
0: think we gave pair. them a full paging complex, I believe. Yeah,
3: yeah. So I knew um, somebody, she was working on the project. It was like just for runway and then there was a small, never released, but there was a wow. small little friends and family. How many pairs made? Do you know? It was really small. I don't know. 30 wow i think it was under 50 yeah yeah and it's raining and out in new york
0: he's on, t- he on timing
2: <laughs> this wow. is commitment man this wow. is commitment i, yeah. I was
3: confused because when you walked in yeah
2: i saw i was like i think that in my head i was like i think that's the chanel but then i looked down and like because yeah. obviously you've had the shoes for a while and yeah. like the toe box like a little like yeah. crease but in my head i'm like there's yeah. no way you're just breaking out some wow. some, some wow.
3: beaters that come on you know on the show yeah, then yeah, i'm like yeah, oh yeah, yeah, i yeah, saw yeah. that that's- yeah, this has got the Chanel in the back and I've only worn them a few times but I think it's more just like shoe, over time the, the shoe's old too. the shoe's old man that, so looks, that looks great yeah, that is that a great means. shoe then,
0: everything yeah. Col- colorway the, yeah. the little like branding Chanel on the tongue I think wow
3: the, 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 the heel sh- Chanel is yeah. set sick
2: and then concepts like redid they redid it yeah, yeah. yeah. The as a brand.
3: homage to it without yeah. the branding with the C and yeah it was cool the same colorway we got to talk about all the shoes that we're
1: yeah I'm doing
3: rebox today this is a custom pair
1: Wealthy brought out the custom Stan Smiths last week. So yep. it's the custom Bach boys with that FSR logo. Oh, yeah, totally yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice. On DS? Uh I think I wore these once before. Although, maybe... Uh, yeah, I wore them once before. Right, I look, can't remember what the special occasion was.
0: Look, uh, looking crispy. I'm doing my Solomon XT4 tie-dyes. Raining in the city. So these are kind of like my it's go-to. a staple for you. Yeah.
2: yeah. Nice. Uh, I did these... Trying to think when this yeah. is coming out. I know. We're, we're recording this episode last early week, as per usual. Sorry, I did these last week on the Fat Joe full size run yeah. i actually wore a pair of Jordans. Wow. Huge. Yeah. What nice. a moment in sneaker history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. these, are the, these are the shelf life you know? uh, Air Jordan 2
1: lows. Very nice. I like them a lot. Very nice. Clean. Uh, yep. Todd, <laughs> let's get back into your Reebok journey. When was the first time you saw guys like Shaq or AI coming around the office? Well, in,
3: in 92, when I was in the mailroom, they assigned Shaq and uh, um, they had this big tent in our old campus. And uh, I snuck into it, Madam shook his hand. I was yeah. like, I said, I said, yo, one day I'm going to work with you. Um, and I ended up working with him. And then, uh, as fate would have it, the craziest thing is when I got the role, this role, the new role CEO, um, it wasn't official and I wasn't 100%. And the night before they gave me the news, um, he FaceTimed me. And he thought I already knew. Wow. So He broke the news to you? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, I I have um, some of the um, people at Authentic kind of hinted towards it. So I kind of had an idea, you know, because they've been really supportive. But yeah, man, so I'm on this FaceTime in my kitchen. I'm like, yo, what's up? And he's like, hey, told you. Told you what happened. Congrats. I was like, what? And then he knew that I didn't know. And he's like, I gotta go. I mean, oh, the wow! <laughs> was wow! Was like, oh. You can see his face like he was like, oh, oh shit, he doesn't know yet. And so and then he called me subsequently like that weekend. So it was cool. So it was just funny because he's one of the he is the first athlete I met in, uh, in '92. And then you know he's now part, you know, owner of the company. So it's pretty surreal. The whole journey is surreal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's interesting how all that stuff is linked in. I know we're kind of jumping around on the timeline here, but Shaq is a part investor in ABG, which just acquired Reebok. So it's all connected. Yeah.
3: And this has like been a passion for him to own Reebok for a really long time. So he's been really driving the authentic group to, to get involved. He was the driving force behind it really, you know, continuing to every time the rumor came, the Reebok was for sale. He was texting me. He was calling them. So hmm. he, he's, he's about it. He was re- And he's, he's very active now. He's yeah. texting me with ideas weekly. W- what was, he thinks we should wasn't know.
2: there the story when he was getting recruited for the brands back in the day that he showed up to the Nike campus wearing
3: all Reebok? Yeah, he wore this, like, leather Reebok jacket to Nike campus because um, he'd already made his decision. He was like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to. Show him, this is the way Shaq is, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And that's also that era, too, of Michael Jordan showing up to the
2: Olympics and covering up
1: the Reebok logo
2: with the American flag. Like, that's like... (laughs) Do you remember what it was like inside, like, Reebok HQ, when, like, those moments were, like, transpiring? It was really
3: funny because um, there was a a crazy energy in the building back in those 90s cuz it was it was very competitive. It was Paul much Fireman. more Paul Fireman who was just a, such an amazing uh, risk-taking entrepreneur and mm-hmm. he he created the whole vibe in the building that it was okay to take risk and to be a little disruptive. Um and I I do remember like it was it was like being on a team. Like it was very competitive back then, you know. Um even when we we were getting AI. Mm the company was on like the edge of their seat for like 14 days when we were going through the process because, you know, he had a big connection to John Thompson. John Thompson yep. was on the board of Nike. There was all these room. There was crazy. There wasn't social media. Mm-hmm. So the rumors were like crazy. Oh, Nike has a shoe. Nike designed it too. Nike it has a shoe. Yeah, yeah, a a shoe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, back then though, it's like, you're not, you can't Google that. So, you know, you were just hearing it word of mouth and it's kind of like surreal and everyone's getting all this information. And, um, and so it was just, it was a very, it was, a, it was a, time when the energy was really high there was a lot of competition um and it's a it's a little it's a little different today there's more players so it's not like the nike reebok adidas like it was back in the day it's just a different landscape now yeah um but it was it was a fun time it was a fun time to learn the business for sure
1: i love reading about the era because just it's like almost like the hatred you know that you read about like that phil knight had for paul fireman and like these
3: real shoe dog type battles you know yeah it was it was a battle and then like you know every athlete that rose up it was like who's going to who's it was like almost like where are they going to play and who's going to sign them like this yeah. was the big thing in culture at the time you know it was just it was an arms race everybody was trying to get everybody and the, and then yeah there was this thing where Paul and Phil never really i think got along and they would they created this 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 competition which i think was yeah. kind of healthy because yeah. we yeah, all yeah. rallied around Paul and Nike rallied around their leader and it was it just added to the kind of The action do you think it was like almost like a perfect
2: storm because you mentioned you know that was the era of all of the like real innovative shoe designers you have the energy there and then you have the athletes as well and do you think that that's why the early 90s is kind of like that golden era of
3: footwear like that's why it got created in that vacuum or yeah i think that's exactly what happened i think you know the early 90s was a period where Athletes became larger than life. This was the big game at the time, you know, I mean, and, and late 80s, you know, there, was, there were some deals, obviously, like Mike, but it wasn't like it was in the early 90s when more guys were getting shoes yeah. and, 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 and tennis became more of a runway and all this. And so, yeah, it was this perfect storm of like, athletes are larger than life. The marketplace is enamored with these big time personalities. And it motivated us to even get faster with innovation because we had the opportunity to have these athletes to to promote it. And so we really spent more money in the lab. You know, guys like Steven and guys yeah. like Paul Litchfield, they were given yeah, more. They were given more autonomy and they were given more investment. Um, and that was another really exciting part of Reebok at the time was the lab because they were coming up with crazy shit all the time. Um, you know, it, it became like the heartbeat for the company. We couldn't launch everything. Um, but I mean, you know, that's where DMX moving air at the time and obviously all these variations of pump and then the honeycomb cushioning with Hexalite, like they were just, you know, they were just constantly, constantly, um, coming up with new innovation and we were getting into more and more sport, you know? So it was a chance to kind of figure out how to make athletes better in every sport. So yeah, man, I definitely like to say it was, it was the golden era for sure. Um, and for me, I also moved overseas during that period, Mm -hmm. um, which I never expected to do, but I moved to South Korea for three years, so I was on the manufacturing side of what was coming over. Wow. So for my first four years, I was in the States. I was you know, learning the business. I was understanding the marketplace. I was in the stores a lot, in the footlockers. And then I moved over to Asia, where I was the recipient of the designs coming. So That's such still, a could, cool moment, too, yeah. of your journey because – a
1: few years earlier, you were the intern helping fax the tech packs over to the factories yeah. in Asia. And now you're actually
2: in the factories in Asia helping. Exactly Asia. What was your parents' reaction? Because you know you you talked about you
3: know, hey, I'm gonna go, yeah, uh, work in the mail room, and then all of a sudden, hey, I'm moving to South Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we hadn't really left the country much. We weren't like wow. travelers, so it was like it's my first time really, you know, out of the country outside of going to uh, Toronto. So it was kind of like they were like, what? What are you gonna do? Like. Are you just gonna get a normal job? Like, can we just do that? Like, this was the big conversation. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I explained them what I was gonna do, and I wasn't gonna do it forever. And um, yeah, I mean, they were they were definitely supportive, but they didn't understand at all what I what I was doing. Um, but it was an amazing time to learn. I learned. I mean, in my 30 years, that three-year period is where I learned the most of my career. What was that like when you first stepped foot in a sneaker factory? So this was actually um, pretty cool. This was a, um, like a, a, a prototype center. It mm-hmm. wasn't a full factory. Okay. So this is where we had some of the most skilled um, kind of model builders, lasters, mold people, all in this one area in South Korea. And what we would do is we would make the prototype the US would confirm it and then we would transfer it to a factory for production. So we were actually like this state-of-the-art facility that was making the, the one-of-one prototype that would get confirmed and then it would it would be transferred. So it was really cool. I was learning from, from um, the best. I mean, some of these um, uh, kind of pattern builders mm-hmm. and last builders and mold builders in Korea are so amazing at their craft and they would teach me. Um, so I was just in a sample room every day Learning how to do everything, sewing, stitching, everything. I learned everything firsthand. And uh it was also the Renaissance period. So this is like, you know, mid nineties. So yeah, all, all the, that tech all you were the, just talking about. It's all coming over. It's all coming over and we're we're building the shoes and uh, trial and error. So it was it was a pretty amazing period. Yeah.
0: A little later we were talking about, you know the race to kind of sign athletes and AI and Shaq, but around like 2003, LeBron is in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, LeBron was wearing Reebok questions. I'm sure obviously the, the green and white ones. And I think even the McDonald's all American game, he wore yeah. a pair of Reebok questions. How close were you to signing LeBron? Were you guys heavily in the conversation or, or what?
3: Yeah. Okay. We were, Um, you know, one thing also is, I don't know, Alan, Iverson and, and LeBron are really very close, especially okay. when LeBron first came in the league. They were very mm-hmm. close, and so we we had that angle as well. You know, I was working it for you. He was working it for us. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was talking to him, um, and uh, you know, that was that was a, a situation where, and I think LeBron had has talked about it on one of his his uh, yeah. platforms recently. But he came to Boston. We had an amazing presentation. Um, you you were obviously were yeah yeah I was part of it yeah yeah, yeah. Um, we we went um, I think he had already visited Nike um, and uh, we went into the boardroom uh, big this big boardroom and Paul Fireman used to have this this desk that I think Mav Carter and LeBron talk about it it's was the size of the studio wow it's just heavy tequel, they still have like, the desk like, in the Reebok archives I, I think so yeah yeah. yeah yeah it was like a legendary like where all the decisions happened and we go in there and. Um, you know, Paul was one for the theatrics. he was okay. the best salesman in the world, and um you know, we made an offer to LeBron uh, right there that it na- na- now it's like was
0: it was it rumored one hundred and ten million or is that is that just
3: you know it's you know i I think everyone has a story I can tell you totally. what I, re- I can tell you what I remember yeah um, and um but uh what had happened was um it was getting dark at this point it okay was, it was later at night now we'd been there all day and um so um we're sitting around this this table, and and, and uh, uh, Paul offers him, um, I believe it was nine, $90 million, okay. okay. at the time. And then Paul stands up, and he's got this tweed blazer on, and he walks around the table behind LeBron. We're all like, what is he doing? It was kind of like, what was that, Elliot Ness? When he walks around <laughs> the table, he's got the baseball bat, De Niro. And he walks around, and uh, he um, says, but if you guys sign with me today... Like, and he says, I think he said to Gloria, to LeBron's like, like What's the name of your bank or something? Yeah. You know, and this is the theatrics, you Yeah. Know? And she says, uh, I don't know, Akron Trust mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he says, Okay. And he pulls out a check. And he goes, This is a live check, not part of the contract. This is a live check for $10 million. And, you know, so he hasn't played yet in the league. Yeah. This is like, right? Yeah. And I'm across the table and I see this check out in front. And she And he goes, If you sign with us tonight, you can take this check back to. Akron Trust in the morning and deposit it, and we're all like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, like that was a move. Yeah, also not telling his staff. Yeah, didn't tell anyone because he wanted the moment. Wow. So what I remember about it, and you know, this is how I remember it, is um, I'm across from these guys, and I see like you know, his mom kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, she's trying to figure this out. Yeah. She's kind of like, Oof. I see, I see Mav, and he's kind of unbuttoning his shirt. He's kind of like you know, getting, <laughs> getting some air. And I see LeBron stoic, like literally, not, not even phased. He by wasn't it.
2: impressed, or it's
3: not that he wasn't impressed. It's like like poker face. Almost? I think poker face, but also I think, and I, I, I've only had two athletes in my life that I have worked with that I had this feeling when I saw them the first time is like. It's just like he, I could, he, know, he knew everything that was coming to him and Got he was it. ready for it. It was wow. just this confidence. It wasn't arrogance or he was super polite and respectful. You just look in his eye and I'm like, this kid is ready for everything. And he's not being phased by what's in front of him. Where, where do you think if you had like a time machine or whatever, if you, Reebok had
2: signed LeBron, where do you think Reebok is now? Like if, you, yeah. if he had been part of the brand all these years, what do you yeah. think it would have done for the company?
3: it's 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 a hard um no it's not hard it's a difficult question to answer <laughs> yeah, because yeah. i think it would have changed the game yeah. i think that you know um alan brought a certain dimension to reebok but okay. lebron was the next guy and i think that like you know he was the next guy that had a really strong position in the sneaker game mm-hmm. or was going to mm-hmm. and um i think that if he had made that that statement to do, come to Reebok, I think it would have changed our position in basketball forever. I think we've, we had a good run in basketball, um, which we'll probably talk about, you know, what's going on there. But I think it would have been uh, transformational for Reebok if he had signed with us, for sure. Do you remember uh, when you got the heads up that it wasn't happening? So what ended up happening uh so he, he didn't accept the check. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he asked if uh, we would leave the room. And so we left the room, uh, we went into Paul's office and it felt like a lifetime, but it was like 45 minutes. And, and Paul was like, What could they be discussing? Yeah. You know? And we, we go back in, and then they basically said that they uh, had to honor a meeting with Adidas, actually. Mm. Uh, Sonny Vaccaro was with Adidas at the okay. time, and they had to honor a meeting with Sonny up in Malibu, I think. So they were flying there. Um, so they went and did that. And then they had a subsequent follow up with Nike, where the rumor is Nike matched the 100. Um, you know, that was the, the check plus the deal. And so we found out, I think that weekend, I think this was on a Wednesday. He went to Thursday over there and we found out over the weekend. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but listen, this is the game, man. Like, you know, um, I had a similar situation with Kobe, you know, uh, you know, those are the two that got away. Uh, and Kobe, we had a very similar situation where we, where we pitched him. Mm -hmm. We had a great meeting with him. Um he that's came to before Reebok. he signed to Adidas. This or? is after when this he was a free, 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 agent. free agent period. Yeah. He um, I think he was wearing He was wearing a, uh, like P E question, like yep. the yellow yeah. toe in, in questions and yeah. purple questions and and he came to Reebok and we did an, a pitch for him that was really good. Um the only athlete that's ever come to Reebok that demanded uh, a facility for a two hour workout before the meeting. Wow. So he comes to our gym. Wow. He comes to our gym with his trainer and we have a big basketball court in the middle of the office. Two hours straight. I, I think I saw. I think he went for water once. We were like, "Were you with him, shooting?" Mesmerized. In the gym? <laughs> was I just not for that one? I was watching, yeah. um, and it was it was amazing. Wow. Uh, and then we had the meeting, and it was it was a really good meeting. And then, uh, yeah, and then what ended up happening was um, he too. We were really really close. I think it was an all star game in Atlanta where I was bringing Fire- Paul Fireman to meet him, and it was like it was going to happen. And then. Um, that one kind of went left late at night after the All Star game on Sunday, and yeah. I started to get a feeling um, that, it, that it wasn't going to happen. Uh, but, you know, one thing I will say I, I did want to say one thing about LeBron and, and Kobe, but um, after it didn't happen, uh, the uh, NBA Summer League was in Boston. And mm-hmm. so we went the first night, and I was on the court, and LeBron was there. And so I'm talking to a friend of mine, and this bear hug comes up behind me, you know, and I turn around, it's LeBron. And he says, Hey, I just want to let you know, man guys give an amazing presentation it's just business wow that's 19 cool. or 18 yeah wise beyond his the maturity yeah, yeah the yep. maturity to like he does not saying anything to me like yeah. you know and he was just like you guys gave a great presentation i really enjoyed being with you guys it's just business and you know no hard feelings and i was like wow this kid's like 18 and i think that's what he's doing today in his life and his career and his family and everything these guys are doing it's not a coincidence. It's because this is this is the type of person he is. And then Kobe said something similar. I bumped into him in uh, the following year in an elevator. Mm-hmm. And he d- did a double take with me. He was like, Oh wait. And I was like, he's like, Hey, you guys, great presentations. So anyway, great presentations are good. Yeah. But quite. it ain't it ain't what you want. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but you know, then we had the, we had great wins like like Al Iverson and, and Jay Z and others. So it's part of the business.
0: And one thing so you miss out on LeBron in 2003, and then in 2003 you sign 50 Cent and Jay Z. And 50 has said that it was a response in, it was a response to missing out on LeBron. Is that true? Because like it's a great pivot that you guys saw. Like all right, we missed out on LeBron, and now we have these two hip hop heavyweights who don't have a shoe deal. At the right time, and then you know the G Unit sneaker deal—obviously one of like my favorite sneaker yeah. deals of all time. My yeah. mom waited in line at the mall when I was at college for them, and then yeah. even on sneaker shopping, whenever it comes up, it's like it, just the, the day is made. But talk about that deal, and was it in response to missing out on LeBron? Kind of like that pivot, or or, or what?
3: Well, I think I think there was this like lull when LeBron didn't happen. There was also uh, a couple of years earlier there was an NBA strike uh, in 99, Mm. I think there was 50 game strikes. So like there weren't players playing and there weren't shoes on court. And it was, it was, it was a weird time. And this was also the time where Paul Fireman had just come back in because he had kind of taken a break. Um, and he was like, I don't feel the energy in this building now. Mm. And so it was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And then we had this conversation in his room about in this boardroom about, um, how, you know, music artists are becoming more influential than ever. And this was that Renaissance period of kind of nineties and 2000 hip hop and, and so uh, he was like, well, what do, you, what do we do? What do we do? Mm. Is what he says, you know? And we were like, uh, well, there's, there's there's one guy that we really feel moves culture, um, but probably not gonna happen, you know? And he's like, who is it? Uh, and we were like, it's a couple of us, like it's Jay-Z. Hmm. And um, we happened to be working with Steve Stout at the time. And um, he was kind of working on oh, okay. marketing with us. Mm-hmm. And Steve was in the, um, you know, he had just left music and he was now in advertising. Yeah. And uh, he was like, well, I can get us a, a meeting with Jay. Mm-hmm. And the next day, uh, I'm in Stout's office and Jay walks in, uh, literally the next day. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then like, you know, when Jay, I, I've worked with a lot of athletes, mm-hmm. but when Jay walked in, it was somewhat of a surreal moment, you know, just being the same age and, and yeah. really having so much respect for him. And then uh, we ended up having like an hour conversation about just, it went right to sneakers. Yeah. It went right to the the era of like the Gucci sneaker. Yep. and So that idea for tennis the classic, Gucci tennis. Yeah. Yeah, uh, take off was right in there cuz I asked him like, well what what would you like to create? What do you like? And mm-hmm. he was like, well what I've always really liked was this most the most unattainable yeah. sneaker, is this Gucci sneaker. And um I obviously I knew the shoe, so we started to really have a conversation about it and um you know, then we then we kind of um parted ways and and then the deal happened really fast. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted to do it, we wanted to do it. We had an idea. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember uh You know, we were in New York and we were taking a Sprinter to Philly for a appearance at a Mm -hmm. store we had in in Philly at the time. And, you know, there was a lot of conversation about whether this was going to work. Yeah. Because even though it's Jay-Z, this hadn't really worked. I mean, Mm -hmm. Run DMC was promoting Adidas, but there hadn't really been. Yeah, there was a long time before there were those big hip hop sneaker brand partnerships. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're pulling up to the Philly store and uh, he's like, you know, I, you know, I know how to sell music. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And, and, and then we pull up and there's, I don't know, like ten thousand people outside. The whole block is shut down, and he turns back to me. He goes, "I think this is going to work." Wow! <laughs> <laughs> and then I think it was one of the fastest sellings. I think we sold like I don't know, fifteen thousand pairs in like two days or something was, like that. What was that convers- pre pre you know, pre online and yeah, yeah, e commerce, yeah. right? Yeah. When you
2: had the idea that basically you wanted to copy the Gucci sneaker, that were like, "Hey, we're basically going to like knock off this already pre existing shoe." Was everyone like cool, or were you a bit like worried about doing
3: that? Well, I mean, we like to say we took inspiration. Hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, Jay uh, literally said, "If you upset, then sue me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, he did true, say yeah, that. Yeah. He did say that. He can say that. Yeah. Um, you know, we had our. So I, what did he say? So I
0: sampled the old Gucci, Gucci shoe. If you upset, yeah. So, yeah. sue me. Yeah, took the soul yeah. off the old. Because <laughs> <Gucci. laughs> <was on>, uh, <laughs> he did an S Carter mixtape. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, which was amazing course. promotion. Yes. Um,
3: and he mentioned it in there. Um, I would say we we felt okay because we were doing our own version of it. We had designers kind of. Look at uh, how we could change it a little bit, so. Um, but uh, we knew it was the right shoe because it was the story. Mm-hmm. I still think even today, one of the problems with collaborations and artists is there isn't enough storytelling. Mm. And I think with Jay, he was in love with that product. He, yeah. would, he was in love with what it represented. So the fact that he could work with a billion-dollar company to create that, you know, I think is, was special, and I think it was meaningful, and I think people understood it mm-hmm. you know.
2: But you you also were able it was didn't you like were able to take the Jay Z thing and like shift it to
3: basketball and you had yeah. Jamal Crawford as yep. like the, yeah, the yeah. Signature. crossover mid right crossover mid yeah so what happened was you know he was so big in in sport and like everywhere everywhere he went you know everywhere we were, we were in appearances like athletes would just come to see him and he had a strong connection to to basketball so like, why don't we why don't we try this and so um, we're like what kind of athlete would we want and, and Jamal Crawford kind of that smooth. Kind of two guard type player fit the profile. We actually did a, 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 we did an ad too. We did an ad where he was kind of the GM in the back, and Jamal mm-hmm. Crawford was playing, uh, and we did an S Carter mid with a strap. Um, and uh yeah, it did it did really well. A couple other players wore it too, like Kenyon Martin and a bunch of other guys guys wore it as well. Yeah. Did you sign fifty cent before or after the reebok deal happened? I feel like they were after the Jay re, Deal. After excuse me, after the J Deal. It was slightly after. Yeah. It was slightly after. And um, you know, Jay was cool with it. And um How were those meetings? Any fifty meetings? Yeah. It's very interesting. Um they both were very interested in the business. Mm-hmm. But Jay was very interested in like A methodical approach like supply and demand you know you'd say to jay hey we're gonna do two colors and then you know usually you launch a third color Mm -hmm. that's what you do Mm -hmm. and he's like why why are we doing a third color like he taught me a lot even back then to kind of like challenge the norm because he didn't want to fall into any of the way the game is played so he's like okay a basketball player may have three drops before holiday why let's do something different you know so he was very methodical he was very in supply and demand he was very into distribution like where are we selling this and you know let's talk about where we're going to put it around the world um and 50 was also incredibly immersed in the business like he came to every meeting on time ready to go and his first question every meeting was how many pairs we sell this week <laughs> i'm not I'm not exaggerating how many pairs you yeah. sell this week how many pairs were you selling we were selling a lot yeah <laughs> no we, nah, we were selling like you know 50 forty fifty thousand per per color at a time wow. we we actually no for like the the, the, the season yeah, the yeah season. okay yeah. but like there was one um and he was always saying, well how many jordan sell this week Ha, I love it I'm I telling love you it. he was literally asking that every week every week and um or every time we had a meeting and so one time um i think it was like 2005 we had a black gxt trainer which was based off of the trainer the gxt trainer was a mid-cut yeah and it was based off one of our old trainers that he saw and was like yo i I like that that aesthetic and so we redesigned as a gxt trainer um and i remember that that back to school we sold like on one color like a lot like 75,000 pairs or something Mm -hmm. and it was close to what and i'm not saying by Mm -hmm. the way that G-Unit was ever close to Jordan anyway. Sure. I'm saying in that one moment in time, that one colorway, I think we sold in almost as many pairs as the Jordan launch for that period. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, I, I remember telling him, and he was like, I told you so you guys didn't believe me. You thought I was crazy. Every time I came in here, and would ask that. But I think um, what made him also really, what made it work was A, he was very engaged in the business. He's, he's really, really smart. He's very committed. But he would say things like, we, he would ask uh, what's going on. I would say, we're not selling as well on the West Coast. And he'd be like, okay, I'm doing nine shows out there next week. What do you want me to do? Yeah. What do I, I gotta do? What store do you want me to go to? Uh-huh. What do you want me, want me to have more people come backstage a, Like he was just a businessman.
0: It's just etched in my brain, I think, Rock the Mic Tour. I think Reebok had the NFL jerseys at the time, too. And I just remember being at Jones Beach, Rock the Mike Tour. Yes, blue. I was there for that, yes. Blue Giants <laughs> yep. jersey yeah. with the Reebok logo and the Reebok and the, sneakers. the giant
3: flag yes. on the sneaker. Yes, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. man, I, I remember that. And then to your point about promotion, all in the video and yep. like – yeah,
1: just were you there for the commercial shoot
0: with the two of them together? I was,
3: yeah. That was uh, a iconic. Yeah, iconic, yeah. It's just, yeah the
0: the yellow the yellow and Carolina blue hat and the yeah. hoodie. I just remember yeah. it, yeah. yeah. Jay
1: Z and Fifty Cent, like they've never actually done a record together, right? No, that no. was I think the only thing they ever did together.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there that night. Yeah, what was that like? It was uh, well. First, I saw what everyone says about Jay. I saw him not write anything and wow. do do the whole ad in one take. Um which, you know, you read about and you see it and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> this is actually so, it, yeah. This is actually how it works. Um, and I think, um, you know, it was really, th- there was a lot of energy because like, even though they're established artists, it was exciting, man. Like we created a new business together, yeah. you know? And, and they were pioneers in it now and I think they realized it. So it was, a, it was a, you know, we're used to just basketball players doing TV ads. Now you've got like a, a music video in a studio and you're promoting sneakers. And for like these music artists, it was a brand new, kind of avenue and accomplishment so it was it was a lot of energy it was fun it was fun were you hyped when you heard those lyrics for the first time oh yeah yeah (laughs) i mean that was the other part that we realized about um like working with artists versus basketball players is it comes with this built-in promotion a mixtape or i'm doing a video next week so it was just like so obviously we were spending money to market it but you know they were living with the brand everywhere they went, everything they did. So if they're doing shows, if they're doing a mm-hmm. music video, if they're doing a new mixtape, it just it's it's organically awesome. comes up. And that was the, kind of the magic of it. Can't believe Reebok did a deal with a psycho. Stunt 101. It's actually my favorite.
1: <laughs> I'll
3: tell you why it's funny. is because... Um,
0: and Banks in the same song, fresh off the jet, then I then I breeze, breeze to, to the, the beaches. beaches, blue Yankee fitted G G-Unit sneakers. sneakers. In the hood, they yeah. say yeah. 50, man, your sneaker look right. Yo, just can't believe Reebok did yeah. a deal no, with a psycho.
3: psycho. And the thing about that is, you know, there was a lot of people scared at Reebok that I worked for. <laughs> yeah, so they, that that was a real that thing. That at lyric Reebok, really didn't help me. That really, that lyric really didn't help. People were upset. Oh yeah, they were like, they were all, they were all like, because it was only a few of us that were really championing, driving this business, yeah. you know, and really believing it. It was myself, and there was. Um, a guy who you guys made with Q Gaskins, who was a partner of mine at the time. Like, we really believed in this. We were driving it. We were driving it. But there was a whole part of the company that didn't understand it. Like, yeah. we're a sports company. Like, we're an athletic company. We, You know, we should be making shoes for tennis players and and figuring out the next step in basketball and running. What is this, you know? And we were like, no, we're a youth culture sportswear brand. This is where the kid is. This is what the action is. Um and then when he came out with that, um, that lyric, they were like, see, he told you, even, even he thinks he's a psycho. I'm like, no, it's a lyric, man. It's not, it's not really oh, what he's saying, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you had to live with that. But yeah. it's, so it was a lot of stress because, you know, there, there were things that happened, you know, and we had to deal with them and decided we're going to keep moving forward. Right. Right right right, 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 right. And that, that was a risk for sure.
2: So around that same time, um, I guess it's something that I guess maybe personally I'm a little fascinated with. Around I think around 2002, when the Air Jordan 17 came out, it really pissed off Footlocker, and they said because I think with the price point on the shoe was yeah. $200, yeah, was, and yeah. they were like, "We're not going to sell Nike sneakers anymore, or at least like the premium product." And I feel like I heard at the time that that's like when Reebok was basically like. Hey, Foot Locker, we'll be like your number one yeah. partner right now. Yeah. Like I know it's the same era. Do you do you remember that? Like yeah. f- Like Reebok getting kind of thrusted into Foot Locker as like the number one brand right now because Nike kind of screwed it
3: up? Oh, yeah. 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 I, I think there was other things going on with them and Nike in regards to like allocation or whatever. It's yeah. probably the things as well besides the price points. But, yeah, they pivoted to us. Um you know, I think we'd always been known for being, like, a flexible kind of speed brand in terms of getting product to market. Mm-hmm. And they knew that about us. So they came and said, hey, would you like to do more with us? Um, and so, yeah, we took advantage of it. I mean, I think they asked us to do certain things we didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, certain products we felt like we weren't going to do that weren't, you know, kind of intrinsically Reebok, mm-hmm. um, that they were trying to fill holes in. So oh, sure. Did, will
1: you make, like, a will you make a Jordan 17? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or,
3: you know, like, a Air Force One or something. Yeah. You know, we were like, no. Nah, well, I mean, we. so we we tried to do, I mean, listen, there was a big open cupsole basketball market mm-hmm. that they weren't being able to serve. Well, you the did customer. the Allen Iverson,
2: like air force one shoe. <laughs> you did do an air force one shoe one time.
3: Yeah. Well, we inspired by like, <laughs> but it was Allen <laughs> Iverson, but yes. So I think what I'm saying is that, um, we took advantage of that opportunity for a period of time. Um, and, uh, we didn't do everything that was asked, but yeah, we did, we did take some influence for a period. But we, we, we knew it wasn't going to last forever either. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, We knew eventually the, the brands would figure it out. Uh, so
1: There's one other big Reebok partnership in terms of hip-hop artists that never really came to fruition that I have to ask about because you and I were meant to talk about this a while ago and I kind of never followed up, but what happened with Kanye West and Reebok? And, and how come that never hit the market in the way it was planned to? Um I think He's so. off Instagram now, so he's not gonna put you on blast.
3: Yeah, I mean um he came he came to our office. Uh-huh. Um yeah, I think it was I think it was 05 like I think it was after we were already moving with ice cream and Pharrell. Yeah. And um that was also, you know, Steve Stout had had connected huh? connected us with him as well as Pharrell. I mean Steve was a key key player in all this getting put together back in the day um and uh he came with an idea for a product Mm -hmm. um and uh it was um it was a uh louis vuitton upper on like an air max bottom idea Mm -hmm. this was his idea i mean he had he was thinking about sneaker and fashion way ahead of time way 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 back um and we had something similar, um, because the Louis Vuitton shoe at the time with the sneaker was really popular. Mm-hmm. It was like the one with like, it had like, um, stitch lines and purse in the middle. It was like a very athletic Louis Vuitton product. There was like three or four colors of it. So we had something similar. And so we kind of showed it to him. Um, and, uh, anyway, to make a really long story short, it just, it wasn't going to work. It was like, we couldn't get it. To, we couldn't get the deal to yeah. work. Um, it was supposed to be the mascot trainer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and so we were still talking to him, so we made some S-carters for him, and yeah. we went back and forth. But, um, but actually, uh, yeah, it didn't happen. Did, is it true mm-hmm. that the
1: the shoes ended up getting into the market anyway, and he got a little bit upset about it? I was told okay, that so the.
3: I, I was told so, that the. So you know more than me. Man. So, <laughs> so what happened? Okay. So what happened was. Um, he came into the office and showed us the shoe. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. showed us the design. Right. And we were like, "Hey, we have something similar, but obviously we don't have it with an airbag, but we have something similar." And so we we showed it to him, and he was like, "Yeah, this is kind of it, but I would change this, I would change this," and he kind of like you know drew drew on the shoe with like uh, putting tape on different parts of the shoe to make the pattern change, and we had a couple of designers in there with him. Luis and- Navarro maybe. Yeah, Lou was in there, yeah. and uh, a young kid named Kohei, um, who's Nike designer now, was in there. And um, and then, like, we couldn't get the deal done. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason. But that shoe, actually, we had already created it. Like, sure. it yeah. was in the building before he came to the building. And so we released it. Around the way was the name Around of the shoe. I think. We released it. And. He went nuts.
0: So wait, this is the original design or the one with the S dot with the... Not s- the S dot. Okay. Or original. De- this is the original design
3: yeah. that he came in to show. So this was the Louis Vuitton upper, Air Max bottom, make this shoe. We were like, we can't make this. We've we got have something similar. What's it's it called? The it was called the Around the Way, I think is what okay. it was called. Something like that. It, it, it exists, uh, or and I think the name got changed to the Cool Out maybe as okay. well um, at the time. And so um, he or one of his guys saw it in a store. Okay and uh yeah wasn't happy they were upset he was really upset he
1: they felt upset. some ownership over the product yeah and then I, I got on the phone with him and he he
3: wasn't um
2: <laughs> he wasn't really happy with me yeah and after, after that period i feel like reebok just you guys kind of went like all in you saw the success of you know jay um 50 pharrell and you go all in on the the artist endorser path and you just signed this big group of artists. Yeah. When you look back at it you're kind of like, what the hell was yeah. going on? You yeah. had Daddy Yankee, Yeah. Nelly, Yeah. Mike Jones, Yeah. Lupe Fiasco. Right. Lil Wayne too, right? Lil Wayne. And oh, yeah. you had like there was like these ad campaigns with like all of them uh in it and then I guess it it
3: didn't go the way you guys wanted it to yeah. at the time. Yeah. I, I was working with J50 and Pharrell and someone yeah. else did the other deals. Okay. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah.
0: But wait, didn't Daddy Yankee I remember selling Daddy Yankee uh, did you ever at Foot Locker? I remember finish line, we were blowing out at Daddy Yankees, I believe. So
3: Daddy Yankee actually did okay. Um, you know, he helped design the product, it was kind of soccer inspired, he was mm-hmm. really involved, he had his own product, that one did okay. The other ones were just like it was one kind of shoe, they all maybe had a colorway. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the best model. Mm-hmm. I think, listen, at that point we were we were kind of drunk off the success. And I think we felt like the formula was the formula and it was almost bulletproof and it wasn't, you know, Jay worked for a reason. 50 worked for a reason. You know, we didn't talk too much about Pharrell, but Pharrell is so creative and he was so passionate about ice cream and his vision. I mean, when I met Pharrell for the first time um, in New York, he had the entire range in his head for ice cream. Like we're going to do these dollar bills. We're going to do this jewelry one. We're going to do these beepers. We're going to do this eighties culture, everything. He had it everything in his head. He drew the ice cream logo on a napkin at the Four Seasons Lobby, and we were off to the races. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, like, you know why those worked. Mm-hmm. Influential people, very talented in music, but they also have a passion for business and fashion and culture, and those worked. I think after that, though, yeah. we got a little bit, like, careless with the uh, attributes <laughs> we were looking for. And look, they're all great. They're all great. It wasn't their fault. It was probably our fault because we didn't really... We, we, we put like one product up there maybe, and then had everybody participate with the colorway. We didn't let them all kind of collaborate enough. So it was just like, it was probably the beginning of the end, and it was probably just a miscalculation on our part. Like we probably should have just gone with less artists, allowed them to collaborate more on richer product versus how we went about it. Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, you learn from your, your kind of mistakes. Um, but I don't think it was, honestly, I don't think it was about those artists. I think it was about our strategic decision to try to do too much. <clears throat> We had the one story, too, Bren, I believe you brought it up
2: when we had Lupe Fiasco on Full Size Run. We mm. had worn the Nike shoes in the Billboard magazine, and then you guys had gotten really upset with him about it. I saw what he said, yeah. Yeah, I don't really
3: remember the details, but I saw, I saw, <laughs> <laughs> I saw <laughs> what he said, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think
1: one of the interesting things about your tenure at Reebok is you've seen so many different phases of the company, and one of the reasons you're here now is because – you know, this this latest phase that you're in under the ownership of ABG, just taking it back before that, do you remember how things at Reebok changed once Adidas acquired the brand
3: and, and what that whole era felt like? Yeah, I mean, it didn't feel great, mm-hmm. um, to be honest. And, you know, I mean, it, it's not really, I think, an indictment on Adidas. I think like, you know, they're, they're, they're a big brand trying to run a, a big global brand and then they bring another brand in that's basically a competitor. Mm-hmm. And I think the original idea was let's have this great kind of American sports brand. Let's have this great European inspired sports brand. and Let's kind of go after, you know, Nike, I think at one point was the idea, mm-hmm. but it was, there was just too much competition for everything. You know, we had classics, they had classics, we had running, they had running, we were in basketball, they had basketball. We also, we'd be talking to uh, the same agent sometimes, you know, agent would get competing, on the phone, for, the competing, competing athlete, for the same for the same athletes and it was just very inefficient it was very inefficient and that's when the decision was made that maybe we, you know we should shift reebok into like a different space which is when we shifted reebok into fitness had adidas be more sport um you know we stopped doing as much on the music side we had athletes like john wall that they were like let's transfer and it broke my heart you know because mm. i helped to build and now you know going to john wall and his agents saying, hey you know we're probably not gonna make basketball shoes anymore adidas and so it was a very difficult time, but it was strategically done because I felt they felt like the, the competition wasn't working. Um, but I think the other problem was just like, you know, Adidas had to make decisions for Adidas first. So if there was a new, um, trend in manufacturing, you know, that was coming on like a knit upper, for example, that was big for a while. Yeah. That's not going to go to us first. You know, they're bigger and they're in the pole position. And then, you know artists too we'd be talking to a, a partner and maybe they would think it's better for Adidas and so so we lost out on a lot of things and didn't have as much control but again like this was just this was the the facts like it's not like they were trying to do anything malicious they're really good people it's just that um they had a bigger brand to run mm-hmm. and um in a lot of places around the world it was one group running the entire both brands so it was it was tough sometimes to get our get our moment um so it wasn't the best era for us. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we were quieter than we usually are. Um, we weren't doing as many disruptive things. Um, you know, we had we also kind of didn't tap into the archive as much and weren't doing as much on classics. We were doing more in fitness. Yeah, fitness and there were some era. great, great things that came out of it. I mean, you know, working with... CrossFit and some of the greatest mm-hmm. athletes in the world. And, and we, we've become excellent at making training product now. So the mm-hmm. nano and what we do in training and footwear and apparel, some of the best in the best in class in the industry. And that all came through years of working mm-hmm. with that community. So it's not like it was a bad time. Right. It's just, it wasn't allowing us to embrace the full Reebok like we can do now today. So,
2: One one of the other artists that came after that era that I think had ups and downs with Reebok, you had Rick Ross.
3: Mm. Um yeah. do you wanna talk about that era? I mean I mean no I mean he was a great partner for us. Yeah. Um I think um really, really like like supportive, like whatever we needed, like, you know, how's this sound? Look what can I do? What can I do? Great partner, and just got into a situation yeah. where, you know, he had a lyric that like, you mm-hmm. know, rubbed people the wrong way and um yeah, there was this decision made that we couldn't continue and then you know, eventually he did, you know, I think I have an apology for what he said, but um, it was an unfortunate one, you know, because he was great. He was one of, he, he had a song with Jay where he mentions, you know, Rebox Reebok. on. Yeah. I just do it. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, he, you know, again, like great partners that are yeah. embracing the brand. Um, that one, like, that one just turned into a tough PR situation, you know, unfortunately.
1: I feel like there were a lot of artists around that time too. Like that was the Swiss Beats, Swiss Beats
3: era. Yeah. Yeah. You gave Tyga a whole Tyga line. era. Yeah. 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 I mean, Swizz was great. I mean, Swizz is one of the most creative people I've ever met. He's a good friend of mine today. Um, you know, he was, he was kind of doing creative directing for us before. Mm-hmm. It was really like a cool thing to say you do. Like he was in the brand. He was talking about partners we should bring in. Um, he was bringing us different collaborations. Um, so he was, yeah, he's a visionary. Um, And that was one of the uh, purest, best relationships we had because the guy's so, so smart, so creative. Um, So that was a great period for us working with him. Yeah.
1: Kind of after that, do you remember when you got the first inkling that the Adidas partnership was going to kind of break apart
3: and Reebok was going to get to go its own way again? I mean, it was rumored for like a couple of years, like off and on. It would get hot, then it would go down again, then we get hot, and it would go down again. Um, And then it really started to pick up. I I think COVID may have accelerated it. Okay. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then we got the official word last year uh, that was happening. But the rumor, had been going on for quite some time that it was going to happen for quite two yeah, years. Yeah, there were like
1: uh, analysts who would say, oh, it's, it's starting to happen. Mm. Adidas is starting to take apart the business. In every analyst meeting, it would come up. They'd ask the board, mm-hmm. what are you doing with Reebok? What are you doing with Reebok? Was that a weird time for you, just not necessarily knowing what the future of the business was going to be? Yeah, it was
3: really difficult time. A lot of us weren't sure, you know, if it was going to get sold. Um, we weren't sure um, what the future would be if it was sold. Um, you know, some people left during that time. Um, and some people stayed because they thought, Oh, if this gets sold, this is a chance to unleash this brand again. I mm-hmm. want to be part of that. So a lot of people took the risk to sticking it out. Yeah. How so, serious was uh Master Pete actually buying the company? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't hear much about it other than what you guys read, as and what I read, so I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> it was Master Pete and Barrett Davis,
2: right? Yeah. I just remember that happening and people yeah. like just were like really convinced that like he was going to buy the company. So Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, it wasn't really like a when we got the list of all the interested parties officially that we had to do our kind of due diligence with. They they weren't they weren't on it. Were but. there any uh, interested parties that that never made out there to the public? No, no. Um, Baron Davis was part of a group though. Mm. Okay, yeah, he was part of a group. Yeah. How familiar were you
1: with ABG before? they came in and acquired Reebok and kind of what was that like building that relationship? Yeah, I knew them, them a little
3: bit because of, um, you know, the Shaq relationship, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they representing Shaq. And um, I knew a few people over there. Um, and then, you know, Nick uh, Woodhouse, who's one of the kind of uh, founders. Um, I knew him before he was he's a shoe. He's like a shoe dog you know, mm-hmm. He started like retail. He was a buyer for like 20 years. So he's a real shoe guy. So I knew him through the years. So I, I I'd had a little bit of a um, relationship with some of them um but i mean the company now is a lot bigger than it was back when i kind of was interacting with them
2: yeah yeah i think it's interesting too because towards like the swan song of adidas and reebok splitting up there was actually an insta pump made yeah had the boost technology in it so it's like oh reebok and adidas are just one happy family and yeah. we're collaborating on the same shoes. And it was so weird for them to co-brand yeah, the sneakers. I think cause some people in the public don't even know that they're like the same yeah, company. And I'm sure internally, you know that like, Hey, this is breaking
3: apart. Why are we putting boost into a <laughs> yeah. Reebok shoe? Was yeah. that like weird to see or it was weird to see. I mean, it was a time where there were a lot of, I don't mean big brands like that, but there were a lot of brands collaborating together for the first time, you know, like, like, I can't remember if it was um was it like, Gucci and like Balenciaga or something? Yeah, but like it was that. like a Timberland with a competitor or, or I can't remember what it was, but there were brands that were doing things together a little bit. So it wasn't the weirdest thing, but I think yeah, I mean, first of all the the consumer doesn't really know that the brands are are mm-hmm. one owner. Um and I think it was like also a time where you know, things were being discussed about kind of a separation, so it was a weird time to do it. Um Yeah, not one of the not one of the greatest products, I think. It did okay. It did okay, but
0: I wanted to talk about the like Reebok classic boom that yeah. happened. Like what would it be at, at this point? Like not a a decade ago or a little bit more recent, basically all the classic models like coming back in such full force, yeah. like the, what, you know, club Cs and workouts and things like that. Well, when did like you see that reemergence happening?
3: I think it was a build. I think it was in like 2000, um, it was probably like 2010, I think we, a a few of us, um, looked at the range and it was not Reebok classic. It Mm -hmm. was like, um, like whatever was trending. So if there was a driving shoe trending, we would go put a union Jack on a Reebok. We were just kind of, there was a group that was chasing trends. And so a few of us went in and we were like, we we should probably like when I I was in sports marketing for a while and then moved back into product. And I was like, we should just blow this up. Yeah. You know, and start over. And so that's what we did. And so we, had, we started to look at what's iconic. How do, you, how do you kind of get a model that's either been out of the market or in low distribution? Mm-hmm. How do you get it back into the market in the right way? So it was a very methodical approach. So we started looking at the Club C. We started yeah. looking at the classic leather, the workout, the ExoFit, and starting to um, bring it back in the market in very limited distribution with the right, you know, the right fashion retailers, mm-hmm. some of the right partnerships to start to tell the story. That really was almost like a 10 year journey to get it where it is today, which yeah. is where, you know, Club C is now a really strong model. Classic other we've just relaunched. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have some plans for a few of the others. But I think it's like, it was just a a long 10 year kind of road with the right partners, the right distribution, um, pulling back a lot of distribution to get them kind of back to where, where they are. Uh, speaking of those shoes, I think before we go,
2: one thing, uh, kind of slipped my mind I think we should talk about can we talk about cash money oh yeah we got it yeah yeah. yeah. we'd be foolish not to yeah
1: there
0: was a um, the video shoot was it the, yeah. was it the video shoot yeah video seen shoot. that video of
1: some, yep. some Reebok reps going down in New Orleans and yep. interacting with everybody from cash money because they were just organically super into yep. Reebok so they were
3: they were organically super into it and they were doing I think a music video and there was a guy named James Hardaway yeah who uh, is an OG at Reebok, um, and he was, I think, like a product manager at the time, and uh, he flew down there, um, and that's the video, and literally like brought all Bucks. these classics. Yeah. They were really wearing the workout. That was the big. Thing. Right. It was like you know Reeboks and Gurbos, and it was like yeah. that workout with the h strap with the kind of pant leg that was in style, and like. He went down there and um, just created like an organic relationship, like no no contract, mm-hmm. that we were just giving them product. We were you know, staying in contact with them. And um, that was just their look. They just loved that that look. And I think it started in New Orleans. And even today, even today, classics are the biggest in this country, in the Southeast. It's New Orleans, it's Memphis, it's Atlanta, it's Miami, it's that kind I of... I had no idea. Yeah, that's the biggest area for um, classics. And I think a lot of it has to do with that influence kind of the influence of New Orleans and um, yeah the kind of cash money creating that look and I think it permeated through other yeah. other areas of the south um,
2: that was early on though but was there any like thoughts back then to be like oh we need to give Juvenile a sneaker
3: yeah I don't know that that was kind of a little before me I don't mm-hmm. know yeah. yeah but I know like they were pumping them a lot of product um, but it was so before the it's world it's way war before yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. like yep. 1998 yep. you know yeah. like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, that was, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was literally a couple of years after we had signed Iverson that, that that was going on. Yeah. Which was 96. Yeah. Those structures didn't really even exist yet in terms of, I mean, like, again, it's like,
1: Adidas run DMC was a predecessor and then not yeah, a lot. It, I yeah,
2: also feel like yeah. too, it, when you're talking about, you know, at the time, like someone like 50 scared. Reebok, it's like the Cash Money guys were so much more raw than even yeah. G Unit or Jay Z would yeah. ever be.
3: So to like kind yeah. of introduce them to the brand at the time would have been super. Yeah, I don't even think and though so. we had the understanding of how to do a deal. Mm-hmm. With right, like the, those deals just didn't exist. What like what do you do? Like I know that I signed a basketball player and they wear the products in the in the season. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just don't think anyone at that time understood outside of organically creating a relationship and seeding product. I don't really think anyone understood how do you how how could you make this work? It was yeah. just so early in the in the game.
1: You know? um, now that Reebok is owned by ABG, would you say that classics are more the focus? Like what does the new focus look like for you going forward?
3: Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, first one thing that I think has always separated Reebok important important. Reebok is kind of fitness and training. This mm-hmm. has kind of been a cornerstone of who the brand is and part of our history. And so I think coming out of the era under Adidas, one thing we, we are taking with us is this idea that we make some of the best training product in the world, you know, mm-hmm. that will stay. So that's kind of, our home court, so to speak. And then I think we are going to be embracing classics more going to the archive more. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that we didn't do as much cause we weren't talking about classics and emphasizing classics enough. So the retro part of our business is going to become more important. And then I think the other thing we're doing now is we're going to be stressing innovation a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, getting back into sport, um, which is something we're really excited about. I don't think you're going to see us signing 150 athletes mm. and doing it kind of the, the old sports marketing playbook way but we are gonna look to you know do a lot of things we've done before in terms of culture and off the court and the style of the game you know so I think that's part of it so I think it's this idea of classics getting back into sport still keeping kind of the the excellence we're doing in training
0: awesome
1: wait oh yeah there's one more thing we wanted to ask you about how come Brendan Dunn never got a Reebok shoe
3: (laughs) 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 hey we can make it happen now you know um, yeah, <laughs> sure. talk about,
1: uh, about how. I don't you know. I would, I, I, I,
3: did did you interact with me at all during that? No, I didn't. Okay, <laughs> oh, <see? laughs>
1: I wasn't emailing the right people. Yeah, yeah no, I'm no, kidding. No, 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 I'm not kidding. Whatever happened? Ta-
3: did you ever get I'm anything? Todd you. left
0: you on red. <laughs> wait, did you? No, we did a little. <laughs> did you do
1: a content, uh, little content
2: thing. Oh, that wait, Was it? Wait, yeah, wait, so so you're, apart- you're unimpressed with the actual gesture. The apartment
0: with all the boxes. You're in the corner, right near the window, right?
2: Wait, Todd, how did you feel when? We were discussing this the other week when Fat Joe ripped the shoe off of the Reebok shoe off Brendan's foot and threw it across the screen. How'd you feel with that? <laughs>
1: I felt like Fat
2: Joe was riding for
1: me. Yeah, yeah. I felt like he was. You know, he had my back then.
3: I mean, he's Nike through and through, so. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what, what, uh, I mean but so what? 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 I, I'm gonna ask you a question. What? What would be a like? What's the vision? Like all, all just like listen. Talked this is it. your Pharrell so <laughs> napkin at the Four Seasons lobby right now. Let's see. That's exactly it. This
0: is it. It's not the Four Seasons Here's, lobby. It's a little different, pitch. but let's go. I mean, I don't know
1: what it looks like. I feel like I just just my name on a shoe. That's oh it? wow! Just embroidery in the heel, and it's gonna
3: go. Just some. I think it would. Should we test that? <laughs>
1: i <Wait, laughs> right.
3: about it. Like, you know, no more internet talk. I'm about it. Let's do it. Just,
2: <laughs> I don't need any. Uh, 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 money off of this. Well, you're trying to be He's <laughs> trying to be mad, get, mad now. You're just really throwing, a consultant. <laughs> just throwing an idea, just throwing an idea out there. Okay. Okay, so this week he's or money. Yeah. or next week or I don't sorry, I don't know how where we're at on the thing. It's ComplexCon. Right. ComplexCon, a big thing for brand activations where you can release limited sneakers. <laughs> Brendan Dunn, face of sneakers. We're act- recording this 2 days before ComplexCon. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard for act- us. To- yeah, but I'm not saying this year, but you know, ComplexCon every year. Yeah. God willing. Uh, you know, Brendan Dunn's gonna be doing his thing, hopefully at the next ComplexCon at wow. well around sneakers. Okay. You got a year out to get something done. Plenty of time. Literally. You can maybe Plenty do a Dunn shoe, release it at ComplexCon, have him there selling the shoes. Wow, a regular Sonny Vaccaro over here. <laughs> I like that. Like Broken the
3: deal. <laughs> you guys you get a cut to this, or is this just
2: <laughs> No, free? I, I said from the start. I <laughs> just to see it, make friend. it happen.
3: I just want to see it make it happen for him. <laughs> So I think the question really is like, um, do you need me to bring in creatives to, for your idea to come <laughs> forward, or are you going to come to us and say I got it because you have time now? Yeah, I yeah. feel like yeah. I can
1: come to you with the with the CADs. Okay, I'll put a tech back together. All right,
2: let's do it. Can you fax it over to you? I think, yeah, fax <laughs> it to yeah, you. I see it better when it's faxed. Uh, perfect. It works better for me if it's perfect. faxed. Perfect.
0: Awesome. This was great. Thank you so much for joining. What a, what a journey and what a career and um. We so yeah.
1: appreciate your time, especially because sorry to interject. You know right. I do it a lot, but. No other sneaker brand is going to have their CEO come on it's here awesome. and talk to us. And yeah. we really appreciate Reebok and you making yourselves available to come and talk to us on our level. You know, these other brands, and you awesome know, you stories. would never you you can get some canned quotes from the CEO here and then you might see him in a press release. You might see him on CNBC wow. or something like that, but this is a Reebok CEO coming to sit with us and we so appreciate that. Yeah, I
3: mean I mean the reason why I'm really happy to do it is cuz um at the end of the day no matter what things I do with this role, I love product. I love talking to people about products. This is I grew up. Mm-hmm. I grew up on it. So, um, you know, I'm at retail all the time, just talking to kids. Why'd you buy that? Why do you like that? Talking to sales associates, having a chance to talk to you guys about product. Man, this is the part I love. This is the heartbeat of the industry, you know? Say it again. Wait. <laughs> it is the heartbeat <laughs> of the industry. Before we go, just, Todd, before we go, I just have to ask you, who's
2: a bigger shoe dog? You or Nike CEO, John Donahoe? <laughs> He's more of a shoe dog than John
3: Donahoe. I would think so, but I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I would think so.
0: No. You're gonna have a whole thing at complex context here. <laughs> you know, build out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We look th- um, amazing. Thank you so much. Great stories. This has been this was really, really awesome. Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Todd. Thanks. This has been the Complex Sneakers podcast. We hope everyone has a great weekend. Please like, subscribe. We will see you next week. Our producer is David Matthews. Our associate producer is Jillian Hardman Webb. Audio editing done by Haley Choi. Special thanks to Jen Stewart, Shiva Bayet, and Haley Choi. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network.